what was a more magical experience? Sneaking on St. Andrews in the full moon, playing two and 17, or sneaking on number two at Cyprus? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. My other co-host, Matt Cermak, could not make it this week, so it was just me. I was riding solo on the train. We had a legend himself, Mr. John Ashworth, founder of Link Soul and Ashworth, obviously, before, well before Link Soul was created. But before we get to that, if your golf game is off the rails, if you're sick of riding the struggle bus, you've come to the right place, especially this episode. The Par Train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. The Par Train Podcast unpacks the mental game with PJ Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs like today, sports psychologists, everyday golfers like you and me, and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. This episode of The Par Train, like every episode of The Par Train, is presented by Roback Activewear. Guys, the joggers just dropped. Okay, I've been talking to Roback about these joggers for years. They've worked on them for over two years. Finally, Roback has pants. They just launched their shorts. Now they have joggers. I'm telling you, I like them better than my Lulu joggers. They're as good as any jogger I've ever worn. So it's, since we're getting cooler into the fall, go to Roback.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off. If you've already done it, some people message us before they go, oh, the code doesn't work. That means you've probably done it before. Enter a new email and get that discount again. You didn't hear it from me. Okay. So Roback.com, enter the code train. If you forget the code, Go into our show notes of this episode or any episode or our link in bio at the par train on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. Just tap that link. It'll auto apply in your cart. So thank you to Roback as always for supporting the train. And thank you guys for listening. Real quick, a quick intro of this episode with John Ashworth. John and I actually have been on, I feel like I met him once before, but very briefly, I really respect his path. We've been on similar paths, went to the same college. At Arizona, I started my career working on the brand that he started, Ashworth, that was eventually sold to TaylorMade when I started working at their agency. We both live in Southern California. And he's just, I think he's a guy that I really respect. He's an entrepreneurial guy. He cares about big ideas. He loves the game of golf. And he wants the game of golf to be something that we aspire it to be, something that can be an out-of-body experience, that can be a spiritual experience, can be a fun experience regardless of where your ball goes. And I know it's easier said than done. I'll probably be talking about an experience I had last week, pretty painful. So even me, I go through ups and downs like anybody, but that's the practice, right? And John is a spiritual guy. He cares about the game. And I think this episode is almost like a meditation. This episode, if you're really feeling down, might be a great one to listen to, to just feel at ease, Fall in love with the game again and take yourself and the game a little less seriously. So a big shout out and thanks to John and the Link Soul team for setting this up. Guys, no matter how you're hitting it, no matter where the ball goes, just remember, enjoy the ride. Thank you, guys. Remember to give us a review at Apple Podcasts if you haven't already and follow us at The Par Train on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I post multiple times there every day, things that aren't on the show that can keep your mind right throughout the week between episodes so thank you again and as always enjoy the ride take care guys john ashworth it's a pleasure to have you on board the par train welcome aboard john good to be aboard evan thanks for having me john i was just telling you off air i feel like this is very full circle 
you know, University of Arizona, started my career working on Ashworth, TaylorMade, moving to Southern California. I feel like we finally crossed paths officially. It's good to have you. Nice to be here. And yeah, we're on similar paths. Yeah. I was thinking about how to start this. There's a lot of different ways I could have gone. But actually, I thought of a random question this morning that I tweeted. And I thought, you know what, maybe this will be a fun way to start today. I had an idea for an experiment. And the experiment is, is the next time you get matched up with someone that you don't know, you tell them that you just started playing golf a month ago. And I asked our audience, what do you think would happen either with your playing partners, but more importantly, within yourself? What do you think would happen by telling someone that you just started playing golf a month ago? Let's start there. Well, it depends who that person is, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> if they're a bunch of good golfers, they might go, oh, great, here we go. <laughs> yeah. you know. But, but then I'd be like a sandbagger because, I mean, I'm, it wouldn't, after playing golf for 50 years, I don't know if I could, I may, if I played left-handed, that might be a, a, yeah. you know, the way to go. Turned you, around from the left side, and I'd, I'd feel like I'd been playing for a month, probably. Do you think there would be a certain level right? of, let's say, because I know you played college golf, let's say you were a 12 or 15 handicap. Do you think there'd be a level of freedom to give yourself permission to feel like a beginner again? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, the beginner's mind, for sure. Golf is such a difficult game for a beginner. I mean, it's just crazy. Literally, if I turned to the left side, it would be like I'm a beginner. It would be interesting. I've had a buddy actually that went to Arizona, Rick Riley. Oh yeah. We played college golf together and he was always a great player and everything. And all of a sudden, I think it was maybe 10 years ago or so, he had a shoulder injury. He actually couldn't play right-handed. You would definitely have to be a beginner again if you turn sides. We actually had Tron from No Lang Up on the show a couple of years ago, and he actually played a year left-handed, wanted to see if he could break 80 left-handed. There was a lot of very interesting insights of switching and having this attachment to, oh, no, like I'm a five handicap, but now I'm going into this new round. People don't know I'm a five handicap. I have to disassociate from that and be a total right. beginner again. And there was a lot of really interesting ego stuff happening from that experience. Sure. So I totally yeah, can relate to that. We're not going to spend a ton of time talking about your businesses, because I actually think there's been a ton of really great podcasts about that. And so if people are interested in how Ashworth and Link Soul started and where they are now, I think there's a ton of good podcasts to check out. But I do want to ask you, because funny story, years ago when we started the par train, John, I remember seeing Make Par Not War and thinking, damn it, I really wish I would have come up with that myself. So I want to ask, how did that come about? It was right around 2000 and it was during the Gulf War, you know, and it might have been it may, may have even been later. It may have been after 2001, but it was in that time where I think it was actually because, you know, that Bush made the decision to, you know, go bomb the heck out of Iraq or whatever. which was ridiculous. And Jeff and I had started this new brand called Fidra, which was under the Quicksilver umbrella. It was an incubator brand that they wanted to support us in starting. So we were driving up to Huntington. We were still living down here in Oceanside in Carlsbad area. And we were driving up to Huntington Beach almost daily starting this new brand. Actually, our first ship window was 9-11. So we were kind of behind the eight ball in the beginning. But 
it was on one of those trips and we were just, you know, lamenting over the fact that we were going to war and everything was upside down. And if you just took away all the guns and just gave everybody golf clubs, let's learn to work together and play together and live together. And, you know, from this heavy conversation we were having, you know, and it was from Jeff's mouth, but I swear it was in my head at the same time. It's like, you know, yeah, make par, not war. And it was sort of like, wow, yeah, that's, that's kind of a winner. And it kind of hits a point. And at that point in time, you know, for us, it was really, uh, you know, it was really a strong feeling and emotion. And, and, uh, and we've just kind of been with it ever since. We actually used it in a really cool T-shirt. I don't know if you ever saw it. It was a guy in full fatigues with an army hat on, you know, mm. his gear. But he was plumb bobbing a putter instead of holding a rifle. Huh. And that was the very first Make Par Not War T-shirt. It was oh, really like super super cool and iconic we probably should bring it back because it was kind of in your face but we were sort of like well that's the way we feel about it so yeah well we've talked about so many times about how golf and we've debated it why does golf bring people together i think it's the shared struggle right it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter what you've done we're out there almost naked because we yeah. can fail at any moment and sure. if you play the game you know that so i've always loved that phrase yeah, we're super vulnerable, you know, in golf. It's so humbling just when you think you got it, you don't got it. So, John, I was really curious. This phrase of act like you own the place is something that people say, you know, when you're starting your career and a way to kind of fit in. You own Goat Hill. And I was really curious, when you play Goat Hill Park, does anything different happen for you there because you own it versus anywhere else you play because it is a labor get, of love for you do i get good bounces and stuff like that not necessarily i mean <laughs> no. i i, I no. sure hope so you do no That's... <laughs> no and, and honestly i never ever look at it like i own it you know we really don't own anything we're just kind of passing through i consider myself more a caretaker of go hill park okay for me, it's really giving back to the game, giving back to the community, the local community, and just building a community, golf, the common denominator. When I play it, though, I'm just always so thankful to be able to have this opportunity that I've been given. You know, I just want to make the most of it. And Goat Hill Park was this beaten up hidden gym, though. You know, it's been around since 1952. Yep. It's a gorgeous piece of property, ocean view, the whole thing. But the city, you know, it's a city-owned land so i lease it from the city so that's again i don't own it it's my time to take care of it you know so the idea is just to polish this gym it's a hidden gym and, and it was just beat up and they were actually trying to make more money and, and turn it into this mixed use some kind of development yeah we ended up coming in and saving it but yeah no i just get a real sense of you know i guess pride and you know i just i love seeing people have a good time Golf is a way to get away from all the struggles, you know, even though it is a struggle, it's a way yeah. to get away from your personal struggles. From that standpoint, it's just been really rewarding every day. I, I don't take one day for granted. I, I just love, I love what I'm doing with the people I'm working with. And it's just really great. Well, let me ask it this way, John, because one thing I learned from my personal coach is the power of being the host. I once used this example of like when I went to a wedding as a guest, I don't really know anyone. There can be a lot of anxiety of, am I going to be in the corner, not talking to anyone versus if it's your party, 
you're the one going up to everybody saying, can I fill your drink? Can I get you anything? That was a real powerful lesson for me is when I'm feeling not really wholeness, but separation. When I'm feeling separation individually, leaning into others is a great way to kind of find yourself again. Does that happen for you when you play golf at Goat Hill where it's not, you don't look at it as being an owner, but maybe the host, the caretaker. I'm just curious how that labor of love translates to maybe a fulfilling experience on at Goat Hill versus maybe other courses. 100%. I'm definitely conscious of people's happiness and make sure they're looked after. And I think our culture here is just to have a good time. You know, people are yeah. here. It's a recreation time. They're here to have fun and get enjoyment out of their time here. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's, it's a natural thing just to make sure that people are, you know, that are having a good time, but also respecting the course and the etiquette for other people and stuff like that. Goat Hill is interesting, right, John? Because it's not easy. No. It might be short on, you know, the scale of 18 holes, but it's not easy at all. Yet people make a decision to have fun. What do you think the takeaway there is? Because sometimes it is just as simple as making a decision to yourself that you're not going to get caught up in the score or the results and just enjoy all of it. But that's sometimes hard to do when you're playing such a challenging track. We have a lot of good players to play out here because of that. Our whole mantra is, you know, everyone's welcome, whether you're mm -hmm. a beginner, beginner, intermediate, you know, professional. We got a lot of pro professional golfers that play up here. You know, a lot of days I'll be out here from sunup to sundown and I just see the different types of golfers. You see the sole golfers that come out, four or five clubs. This is one guy that he's a really good player and he doesn't play with anybody. He comes out at different times and he just, I saw him yesterday and it was about sunset and it's so beautiful up here at sunset. So, you know, everybody's getting something else from their experience. You know, it's right. not, everybody is, has a unique take on what they're trying to get out of it. You know, there's different guys that come up every Tuesday at nine 30. There's guys that come Thursday at you know three o'clock, you know, and they're buddies or there's, there's families that come up at different times and there's, you know, so it's that I, that's what's rewarding to me is to see the humanity and, and, you know, what everybody's kind of getting out of it. And it's just great to have a place that people can do that. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a soul golfer? For sure. I, yeah. I mean, I, Again, I've been playing for so long and, you know, I'm not super competitive, but I am competitive. I love, we have tons of little tournaments up here in best balls. I, I prefer a best ball over a stroke play, but we have a monthly yeah. medal where you, you know, you count them up, you put everything out, you're on your own. We do that once a month and that's always fun, but I would consider myself for sure. First and foremost, a sole golfer. Yeah. Obviously you played for so long you played in college in arizona you've caddied for your buddy mark at the 1986 masters you were even an assistant pro you're now a caretaker of a course humor me of all those different roles and lenses which one do you think made you see the game through the best lens that you'd want to replicate over and over again you know, probably my time spent up here. You know, I got my degree in, you probably knew this, but I got my yeah. degree in agronomy. Mm -hmm. So uh, I love uh, kind of being in the dirt too a little bit. So the power of a golf course in and of itself, you know, is what I suppose the lens that I most have found, I, I guess, uh, 
different aspects and just being around it on that level, that's pretty magical. You know, it's a, it's a magical game. I feel the real heroes are the superintendents, you know, and, and the, and the greenskeepers, you know, they, you know, the people only knew, you know, how much goes into that and, and to not take it for granted, you know, and not be yeah. so judgy on course conditions. I mean, if there's 18 holes, there's 18 holes, go get it. You know, in our place is a little rough around the edges. It's been getting better and better and better every year, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's, you know, this simple fact there's, there's a tee box and there's a, you know, there's a hole at the end of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> so, it's funny you say that, John, because last week I was back home in St. Louis playing in my best friend's member guest. And I realized we finished the first day, our first match and people, you know, showered up, they got a drink. There's competitions happening at the green and on the range and stuff. And Ryan and I walked out away from that for a second, drink in hand. And we went to number nine. And the sun was setting. And I realized the way that a golf course feels, quote, after hours, right? When no one's on it, but just walking out there, it's such a different feeling than when I'm on number nine and I'm thinking, well, I can't go right because that kicks right into OB. And it's a really narrow shoot that I'm trying to land it in. It's an elevated, tough green, and I'm getting a stroke. And it's like, it's an entirely different feeling when you're on the actual golf course yeah, without the expectation of hitting a shot. It's, it's funny that way. I know. I, I love that. I know exactly what you're talking about. I do that a lot out here, you know, early morning, late afternoon. Michael actually told me this, uh, Michael Mark, the old founder of the agency that I used to work at. He told me about you that you love playing with a couple clubs. Do you still do that? Do you still go out with only two to three clubs? Yeah, we do that every once in a while. I do it by myself sometimes, yeah. What do you find Oddly, you get out of that versus your full set? Well, it's just it's just you got to be super creative and, you know, you're playing golf totally different. You know, a lot of times I've shot even par on nine out here with one club. <laughs> so it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of overrated to be so structured and 14 clubs and I got to do this, I got to do that, you know, instead of being so robotic. It allows you to be a little bit more creative and see things completely differently using the ground, using the club face, using your body. If there's a volume knob and it's one to 10, you know, you might have to hit a little one or mm. shut it down and hit a big 10, you know? So I think there's just more opportunity to make stuff up. And then at the end of the day, you know, big deal, it's, you know, I don't care that much about score, really. I mean, I'm just trying to hit shots. Do you remember, what if you had to think, John, when was a time that you were most hard on yourself? It would have been college, for sure. Yeah? What happened yeah. for you in college? I was a pretty good junior golfer. You know, I, I won a lot of tournaments and thought I was a hot shot. And I spent the first year in college at a junior college, and I had a great year. I was low stroke average for the league and blah, blah, blah. I got a scholarship offered to Arizona, which I probably would have never gone to college if it wasn't for that. So I went over there and all of a sudden now you're a tiny little tadpole and a big, you know, and at least, you know, and you don't even know, but you got guys from all over the country that are going there and trying to compete. And our golf coach at the time, it was his first year. I was actually recruited by the other coach and all the guys were great, but it was real competitive. So I put a lot of pressure on myself and, 
And then I kind of went down a rabbit hole on some technical. I never had a golf lesson until my second year in college. And uh, it was just really natural. And I learned as a kid, my dad just said, hey, your backswing to your left shoulder goes under your chin and don't lift your head up until your right shoulder goes under your chin. That, that was kind of my, that was kind of my deal, <laughs> you know, and developed a really good short game. And just, I watched golf on TV and that's how I kind of learned to play golf, really. When I look back on it and I just got real technical and just, it kind of lost the fun, you know, and I made it mm. through college and I had, I had, I had some good tournaments. I never won a tournament, but you know, I played a lot of tournaments, but then afterwards I was so burnt out. I quit playing for like at least a year, maybe two years. I just like, wow. fuck it. And then I went and caddied, you know, for Mark Wiebe. And, and then I kind of slowly got back into it. Caddying at Augusta national will probably get that bug back a yeah. little, at least a little bit. Right. Well, I caddied for a year on the tour well before that, like in 1984. And that was just yeah. a, that was a, that was a deal we had made when we were actually kids. Yeah. I heard that. For. Yeah. So, so anyway, that, that was probably the most difficult period for me. It's, it's just kind of in my head and not having much fun. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then get you right back to the show. Big news guys. I finally got to try the range rooster glove. Okay. So I had made a mistake my entire golfing life to go to the range with the glove that I play golf with. You go from the range to the course and I'm wearing my glove, right? But Red Rooster Golf created a glove specifically for the driving range. It is a game changer, okay? You'd think, oh, it's just a glove, but it's for the range. No, it was designed specifically for the driving range. So it's actually a little bit stretchy, flexy for durability. Uh, It's got a little tackiness inside the glove for a little extra grip and longevity and it's really hard to describe it's something that you honestly have to feel i've never felt a glove like it it's very stretchy it's going to last me a long time so the cool thing is you're the short game baby use it for the range so that you don't waste those soft leather gloves and you keep the life on those as long as possible through only playing golf with them use it for short game practice too okay this thing is built to last So don't waste your soft Cabretta leather gloves from Red Rooster by practicing that short game, because I know you guys are. It's the short game. Use the range rooster for practicing the short game and the range. Okay, I'm telling you, I'm not just saying this. It is a game changer. I will never use my glove at the range or the short game area again. So go to redroostergolf.com, enter the code train, get 20% off, get the range rooster. And also the rain gloves just dropped. Okay, so we'll talk about that in a future episode, but they just dropped a rain glove. Nobody wants to get these because nobody wants to play in the rain, but you got to have some in case, you know, you get caught in the storm. So they have done a million iterations in them. They've used so many different materials to finally nail the rain glove. I don't know about you guys. I used to get these foot joy rain gloves and they just are wet. That's the whole point is to play with a wet glove, but they have no grip. The rain gloves for Red Rooster actually have a little tackiness and stretch. They're thin for feel. So go to redroostergolf.com, enter the code TRAIN, get yourself 20% off. Let's get back to the show. So if you could go back and do college differently, would it be as simple as not taking that lesson and staying with what you had? Or is it being less attached to the results and who you were as a person? Or what do you think you would do differently? Knowing what I know now and knowing that I really didn't have a future in professional golf, even my personalities wouldn't be cut out for it. So 
I might not have gone to Arizona. I might have gone to more of a Division two school and just had more fun, you know, and not be like amped up. You got to make it the NCAAs and, you know, all that stuff. So right. maybe, I don't know, you, you know, can't go back, but, you know, yeah. I, I guess that might be a thought. Yeah, it's interesting how the um, there's a level of efforting that actually gets us further away from what we want, where it's counterintuitive to a lot of people. And a lot of people hear that and say, well, how can you not try? You can still try, but it's the trying while accepting that you can't make. I think we had a sports psychologist say you can't want your way to the finish line. Right. You just kind of have to play. You kind of have to shoot and see where it leaves you. Everybody talks about it's the process, which is true and to me. To me, it's just developed more into a practice. And that's process as well. But, you know, and I'm, hey, I'm still a kind of a nut. I'm still working on stuff and yeah. trying to figure out biomechanics and get my body, you know, because <laughs> it's also it's also such a great game for, you know, aging and growing older, using it as sharpening stone to keep your mind and your body in shape really is what I, that's what I use it for. I mean, and, and, and the recreation and the and the social aspect and all those things rolled into one. I mean can't take it too serious but you need you know but there's a certain level that you can you know sort of use it for many aspects but kind of as a way to well round yourself you know yeah. how do you think about golf in the mental game what, what comes up for you when you think about your mental game and how do you use golf to sharpen your mind well i've become a big meditator over the last few years so mm -hmm. i mean you know to try to quiet your mind it takes two seconds hit a golf shot or whatever but how do you use it as a walking meditation and to quiet your mind and things like that? And But, you know, things still come up, and that's part of the process as well. Well, I guess on the flip side, you talk about college being when you got the most down on yourself. I've heard you talk about golf's a spiritual game. You've had spiritual experiences. I've heard you talk about Bali and your experience there. What Maybe on the flip side, what helps you get to – your best experiences on the golf course? What helps you have a spiritual experience on the golf course? Well, you just have to be present. You know, you just have to be open to it. You know, every moment when you're out on a golf course, you're really depends on the time of day, the light, you know, what you're doing, but it can happen. You know, you, if you're open to it, you know, those moments happen, you know, they can be tiny little moments, but a reflection off a bunker, you know, uh, you know, some hawk flying through the sky that, you know, you notice or whatever. I mean, it's just, you're out in nature. I just think it's a matter of, you know, being open, being into that moment. Yeah, it's funny how one of the most common messages I get on our from our podcast is when people get really down, and I have to remind myself of this, you just get really down on your game, you feel like you've lost your swing. Noticing surroundings is actually one of the best tools you could use. And people are like, what do you mean? What, just be like, there's a tree? How does that, how does that help my game? But it's so funny how <laughs> noticing your surroundings and just noticing things actually get you into a place of uh, gratitude, as cliche as it sounds, instead of this battlefield that I can't miss there and I can't miss there, you actually begin to see the beauty in it, which is 
it's like a way to get present without even trying to, you know what I mean? Right. There's that. And then there's also your breath, you know? Yeah. And you know, you hear a lot of guys talking about that and there's a lot of guys meditating now too, but it's all about, you know, using your breath to, you know, channel energy and relax your mind and, and just be present in the moment. Are you thinking about your breath when you play golf? Oh yeah. How so? Mm-hmm. Just by breathing, you know? Are you counting or are you feeling it? No, are you thinking about your no, belly? No, it's just walking meditation. It gets your mind off those, all those distractions. You know, if you're really trying to focus on your game or whatever, if you're having negative thoughts, right? Or whatever, which we all do, it's a way yeah. to take them. Yeah, I'm having that negative thought, but I'm going to breathe through that, you know? Yeah. And let it go. What's your most common negative thought recently? <laughs> My negative thought. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, probably the, the, the part of my game that I struggle with the most would be my short game nowadays, but it is getting better. I am working through some things and I think a lot of people go through those struggles. I'm not saying it's negative, but to allow yourself to, you know, again, go through the process, hit the right chip shot that you want to hit and not be mechanical and not try to do this and that. So I would say that's what I'm probably dealing with the most. Does that mean that you find yourself getting too technical instead of feeling and seeing the shot? And that might lead to miss hits or the wrong shot, the wrong miss. <laughs> yeah. Got it. I would say. What is the best part of your game right now? I think probably it's become more and more putting. I've been putting really good. Ball striking's pretty good. Mental's pretty good. So driving's not bad. I, I out here I hit persimmon a lot. I mean, exclusively. So that's fun. I just got a brand new two wood from Todd Dempsey. Todd Dempsey's one of the best. If anybody wants to get a persimmon out there, mm. he's a really he's a really good shaper. There's not many out there, so he he's does an amazing job. So, um, but I just got a new two wood from him, which is just money. I love it. So what do you experience differently with persimmons than a 460cc? Well, a little bit more of the vibration that you get into your body, you know, mm. when you hit a, a sweet shot with a persimmon, it's just a different feeling. Might not go quite as far, but it, you'd be surprised that you might be losing maybe 10%, I would say. But if the fairways are running fast, it really might not be any different people think it is and it's harder to hit because it's a smaller face and all that stuff but that's part of the challenge and part of the fun of it jeff cunningham says uh he came up with this pretty cool saying woods feed the soul metal feeds the ego <laughs> i like that it's almost yeah. like john you give yourself uh it's like when i went on my bachelor party this past year i went to cabo and my now brother-in-law said never travel with your clubs because if you get rental clubs and you don't play well, you just blame it on the rental clubs. So if you're playing with persimmon, you're giving yourself an out, you know, versus the brand new technology. Yeah. But that's a cop out. (laughs) (laughs) So you said, you said your mental part is one of your strengths. We talked about it's a meditation. We talked about kind of creating shots, less focused on score. If one of our listeners was wanting to know, what do I attribute a good mental game to? How would you describe your, your mental game to them? 
or how, what tip would you give them if they're looking to be, have a better mental game? Well, you, you know, you just can't be attached to the outcome. Yeah. Right. You got to go through your process and go through, you know, your, your routine. Everybody's got a routine or you should have one that you can kind of rely on and get comfortable with. And then, you know, Hey, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it ain't the end of the world. So don't get too attached to it and be grateful for being out there and, and just being with your friends, fresh air and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's just a game. It's supposed to be fun. I mean, that's all. Yeah. I just have fun. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here from one of our sponsors that just dropped a brand new product line. It's called the athlete line oars and Alps. You probably know them for their award-winning sunscreen and deodorant, but they just dropped their athlete line. And honestly, I'm excited, but I'm also a little sad that I didn't have this back in the day. Okay. We're all athletes out there slinging that golf club, hitting 300 yard drives, right? So muscle recovery bomb to relieve sore muscles with clinical strength bomb. It's in this little, uh, compact little roll on package. You have sore muscles before, or after your round, throw this baby on. Okay. Anti everything body powder. This is sweat absorbing powder in a spray can. Super small and compact. That's tough on chafing, sweat, sticky skin. This is the one I really wish that I had. I've used baby powder when I play in 100-degree heat in Palm Springs. I've put deodorant down there. I've tried everything, okay? Anti-everything body powder without all the crazy ingredients. Clean ingredients, this is what it's all about, okay? Keep yourself dry and comfortable. This could be a game changer. And then an Epsom salt soap bar. That'll soothe sore muscles with an added boost of shea butter, intensely hydrating your skin. So really whatever you need, guys, if you have sore muscles, if you have chafing, or if you want to give yourself a little boost when you go and shower, Oars and Alps has it for you. Okay, so go to oarsandalps.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off the new athlete line. I'm going to get myself the recovery bomb and the body powder. I'm going to get all three, but definitely the body powder I'm most excited about. Throw in a deodorant, throw in a face wipe. They've got it all. Use the code while you got it. Browse their site. They're seriously the best. Every new product they release is better than the last. So oarsandalps.com, enter the code train and get yourself 50% off and be an athlete out there, folks. All right, let's get back to the show. Well, I haven't spent too much time on this show talking about meditation, but I think because you're here, maybe we could spend another minute on it because I actually used to lead sessions when I worked in tech at Uber. I used to lead mm -hmm. uh, weekly meditation sessions. So I've got some thoughts, but I'd rather hear it from you, from someone that says, I think the most, keep me honest, I think the most common thing when someone says, do you meditate? They say, I'm not good at it, or I always have thoughts in my head. What is the what is a misconception? You do it regularly now. What would you tell someone that's thinking about meditating? Well, you know, it's a lot like golf. Yeah. Meditation is hard. It's much like golf. It's it's very it's not easy to do. You know, yeah. to quiet your mind and, and, and commit to, you know, commit to breathing. And you know, I'm into breath meditation. I've just found for me it's really helped me be more insightful and take on whatever comes my way with a better level of clarity. My wife is, she's Thai. She's from Thailand. And so she's a Buddhist, you know, which 99% of the people that live in Thailand, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's, no, it's really cool. Cause you can really feel it. You know, you can mm. feel that the whole energy there is, is a little bit different. So I've, 
I've just been exposed to, to Buddhism, which is really big on meditation. And uh, yeah, I've always been a seeker anyway. You know, I've always been kind of studying different sort of philosophies and religions and all that stuff. And I, and I just find Buddhism is very, for me, it's very useful. It's very simple. It's a simple path. You know, it's very related into meditation. And so I've, the last few years, especially, I've really sort of gotten into it and devoted myself to practice. And like I said, it's just helped me with all the stresses of life. It's just kind of helped put it all into perspective a little bit and, you know, be the best version of yourself. I was just recently, two weeks ago, I was in Thailand and, you know, they have a lot of different ceremonies and stuff, but her mom had passed away a few years ago. And so we were, we went to this temple and they had this one side room deal that had these Buddhas, these golden Buddhas in it. They were like over 200 years old. And, you know, we were, we meditated in this room and it was, you know, it was like a really like the walls were like two inch thick of concrete. So you're in this, you're in this room, you know, you can just feel the energy. It was, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like the trap that a lot of us fall into with either meditation or golf is this notion of the destination where I finally figured it out. Maybe you have a good yeah. week or you think of something a little bit differently and you think you finally figured it out. And then it comes crashing down when you realize that it's actually a practice where it doesn't matter yeah. how long you've been meditating or golfing. What I would tell people when I was leading those sessions is the goal shouldn't necessarily be not having thoughts. The goal is yeah. observing them and coming back to something, whether it's your breath or a mantra or whatever you want to do. So yeah, and it's learning to concentrate too. I mean, yeah. that's the whole point. The whole point of it is being better at concentration. Yeah. You know, what would you say to someone, John, that hears this and it's like, well, that's easy to say. How do I not attach to the outcome? I'm trying to steer this ball, you know, inside the hazards, or I really want to break 80, or I want to get my to a single digit handicap. For those people that, live so much in attachment we all do we all want things it's normal what's a way to maybe become a little less detached or a little more detached that's the thing isn't it that's what the whole buddhist thing's about to you know not cling and not crave yeah you know we want that outcome you know so we're clinging to that outcome the mm -hmm. more you cling to it the more it's going to be difficult to to get and you're going to be let down. Again, it's a practice. So there's no instant golf. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no instant golf, man. 10,000 balls, 10,000 hours. You know, you take two steps forward, one step back. It's diabolical. Don't play it. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like, it like dating in the sense that like <laughs> when I met my wife, it was one of the only few times in my life I can remember I was finally okay with being on my own. You know, I was learning about what I wanted. I was okay being on my own. I was making myself better. I was getting healthier. I was getting stronger. And then she popped in. It's kind of a similar thing. If I was really looking for her, yeah. I don't think I would have met her. Right. That's you find that because you've had so many serendipitous experiences in oh, your life yeah. and career. Yeah, Do you yeah, find yeah. that to be true? You got to go with the flow, man. It's yeah. all about going with the flow and being in the right space to uh, receive. Yeah. And, you know, again, giving, the more you give, the more you're going to receive. It's, it sounds corny, but it's really true. I mean, yeah. 
time on this world is not about accumulating things, you know? Yeah. I don't think you got to be in the flow. Sometimes, honestly, sometimes things will happen over the course of my life. Things have happened. I think, oh my God, that's, I, what am, what's going to happen? God, that's the worst thing, <laughs> you know? And then something maybe a year or two will reveal itself. Why that bad thing you thought was bad happened, mm-hmm. but now, you know, look what it opened up for you. So you can't dwell on something that you think is bad. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, I had an experience that didn't really work out. It was over in Scotland and I really wanted it. I was like, ah, I was trying to pull this thing down. You know, it didn't work. But, you know, if that would have worked, I would not be here right now. I would not right. be in a much, I think, happier place now. So you, you just never know. I mean, it's you got to live in the moment and go with the flow and be a good person and be kind and be generous. And yeah. All those things. So what happened? Was it? I think I remember, were you trying to buy a course or build a course in, in Scotland? I kind of somehow got into the, it was after the Ashworth days. And yeah. I uh, stumbled upon this property. So I spent two years and I got planning permission. I had to deal with the local council and, you know, the Duke of Hamilton and historic Scotland and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, did all that stuff. Worked with Tom Doak on routing a couple of golf courses. Oh, wow. We had a plan for three golf courses i got into a business arrangement with a man over there that i was warned about anyway it turned out sour he kind of did a number on me and uh and i was out so anyway the the good news is it all came down to earth they play the scottish open there if you watch the scottish open Mm. that's the course that you know i basically spent you know months and months walking the land before it was a golf course wow they renovated the archerfield house which was a this beautiful manor estate, which is amazing. You know, it all came down to earth and people having a good time. So from that point of view, great. And then here I am, you know, doing this thing. So, you know, it, it all works out. Yeah. And, you know, and we're all passing through. Love it. Well, last question for you. Speaking of Scotland, I love Scotland. St. Andrews is my favorite city place on earth. You want to talk about a vibe and an energy. Yeah. It's got it. Um, you let's end on this. This will be fun. You you went to Scotland with Michael Murphy, the author of Golf in the Kingdom. And you yeah. guys, what what was a more magical experience? Sneaking on St. Andrews in the full moon playing two and seventeen or sneaking on number two at Cyprus? <laughs> oh wow. They're both individually etched in my mind. Uh, <laughs> and they're both great memories. But, you know, being over in Scotland with Michael Murphy for a week was pretty special. But oddly enough, on the, on the flip side, this, I'm going to Scotland next week. I've gotten to be friends with Bill Murray, who's actually a partner at Goat Hill with me here. Mm. And uh, he called me up a couple of days ago and said, hey, I don't know what you're doing, but do you want to come over to Scotland and hang out with me? <laughs> I was like, well, I yeah, okay. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing that next. He's playing the Dunhill Cup. I think one of his buddies was going to come with him and he he bailed on him. So that'll be kind of a very different ends of the scale than Michael Murphy, though. Yeah. With Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Where are you going to play? So, you know, I don't even know. I don't even know if I am going to play him because he's in the tournament. He's in the Denver yeah. Cup. I'm just going to come be his, I'm going to be his golf coach. Got it. Well, maybe yeah. this conversation will bleed into that and yeah, uh, right. you'll leave him feeling one with the yeah. course. So, well, John, 
I'm a big fan. I believe in a lot of the stuff you do. So thank you for hopping aboard. If you guys don't know about Link Soul, obviously check out Link Soul. They make awesome gear and it's a company that is uh, built on mission and the ethos of the game. So check that out. But before I let you go, is there anything that we've either said that you want to reiterate to the average golfer or something you didn't get a chance to say that you want to leave people with? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's been a real pleasure, and I wish you nothing but the best with your enterprise here. I would just say, you know, God, just enjoy every shot, you know? I mean, it's life is so short, and the older you get, the more you realize that. Just enjoy every moment, every shot. Love it. Well, thank you, John. Yeah. Best of luck to you. Enjoy Scotland. Hope to chat with you again soon. All right, buddy. Talk to you Take later. Care.